Welcome to this week's message at Corner Bible Church. We're so glad that you could join us. If you'd like more information on our church, you could check us out at our website, cornerbiblechurch.com, or you can like or follow us on Facebook. Now here's this week's message. Thank you for listening. Before Mike sits down, I just want to really thank him for his leadership uh, and, and just working with the team this morning, listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it just seems like he spread a really nice banquet table in preparation for the Word this morning. So, Mike, thank you for your listening. Thank you for your leadership. Really appreciate that. So, yeah, they, every week, just awesome. Let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for joining us together today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who resides in each one of us. Thank you for the opportunity to break open your word, to share what it is that you have to say to this particular fellowship this morning. Lord, would you guide us? Would you lead us? Would you soften our hearts? And would you open our eyes towards the things of you? So, Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your precious name. Well, thank you for braving the roads this morning. So either you have a very brave soul for going out, or you've got four-wheel drive, one of the two. So we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, my name is Dean DeHogue. Uh, my wife, Anne, is the keyboard player on the praise team. Uh, I'm not in here in the, in the services much. I'm usually in the back helping out in the Sunday school rooms. But uh, it's just a, a pleasure and a privilege to just break open the Word this morning and share it together. We're going to talk a little bit about parables. We're going to talk about why Jesus used parables. We're going to talk about what parables are. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the parable of the sower. So let's take a look at our text today. Our text as we go through the book of Luke, uh, which the team has been doing. It's just been a fabulous series. But let's take a look at Luke chapter 8. So turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to start with verse... Four and go through 15. So Luke 8, verse 4, we'll go through 15. This section is titled, The Parable of the Sower. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and it grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. 
Verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So this morning as we study through this together, we're going to talk about three primary things. We're first going to talk about what is a parable. Then we're going to talk about why Jesus used parables. And then we're going to get into a little bit of detail about the parable of the sower. So let's start out with what a parable is. Jesus used parables to have a very simple story at one level, and then below it, at a deeper level, he had the hidden, spiritual, eternal truths. Parable literally means to cast two things alongside each other. So you got the simple story up at this level, and hidden deeply below, you have the eternal promises of the kingdom of God. It literally means to have two things cast alongside each other. The parables are not Aesop's fables. They're not self-improvement stories. They're not self-help pep talks. They're not life hacks for you. Jesus would take a very familiar farming story, fishing story, or doing work at home story, he would use something that was very easy to understand, and then below the surface, he would give the explanation of the eternal truths of God. Two of my favorite Bible teachers define parable this way. John MacArthur defines a parable as an ingeniously simple word picture with a profound spiritual lesson. Albert Moeller describes a parable this way, a surprising story or word picture drawn from the familiar that reveals something powerful that is unfamiliar. When I was in Sunday school, our Sunday school teachers taught us it was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus would take easily understood metaphors or word pictures and then he would weave underneath his eternal principles. In fact, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus talks about how he gets to the point in his ministry where he did not teach anything without using a parable. So why did Jesus use parables? In fact, the disciples ask him this very question in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. They ask him, so why are you using parables? simple answer is that Jesus didn't do anything without being led from his Father's instruction. Jesus did not self-initiate. He was always looking to the leading of his Heavenly Father for whatever he did. Wherever he went, whatever he said, Jesus was not a self-initiator. But there's something also that was going on in his ministry at the time. Jesus used little snippets or tiny parables earlier in his ministry, but there's this transition point that he hits now where he's using a long parable with a very detailed explanation. This is what I call the first major parable, the one in Luke chapter 8. 
His ministry was evolving. He had been rejected by the Jews. The religious leaders were trying to kill him. And the group around him had changed. Starting out in Jesus' ministry, he had 12 disciples. And then there were some women that were added. And then there were other followers that came along. This small group was like a church. They wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted to be discipled. They wanted to hear the tough stuff. But now, like it says in the, in the verses that we're reading, now everybody from all the towns was coming along. They wanted miracles. They wanted free food. They wanted freedom from the Roman oppression. And they wanted to hear the easy words of Jesus Christ. This parable is the key to unlocking the rest of the parables. The reason is, Jesus is getting to the heart issue, which is the heart. The religious leaders are trying to trap him. They had hard hearts, but there were people around him that were soft-hearted. Jesus was concealing, while at the same time, he was revealing. The truth was being concealed to the hard-hearted and revealed to the soft-hearted. One group is getting divine truth. The other group dismisses the parables as just childish stories. The parable was not only for the people during Jesus' time, but it's also for our time today. Because Jesus is still at us today of getting at our heart issue. Are we soft-hearted or are we hard-hearted? The objective of his parables, starting out with this parable, is sanctification. Are we growing? Is our heart staying soft? Are we listening to what the Holy Spirit says to us? The hard-hearted crowd was looking at it, and they thought, oh, that's a nice story. I like that story. That's something that I can add on to my old nature. I can bolt this on to what I've currently got. My heart condition's fine where it is. I can drive my own life story here. I've got my own set of bucket list things that I need to check off. I'm the captain of my destiny. That's the hard-hearted group. But the soft-hearted group was looking for the hidden, deep truths of the kingdom of God. Isaiah challenged in the Old Testament with this heart issue, talking about a heart of stone versus a heart of flesh. Only a total heart change can do this work. Our view, our love for Christ parallels what we see in the depth of the parables. It's not about our ability. It's not about our skill set. It's not about our intellect. Our soft-heartedness opens us up to being obedient to Christ and having his fruit grow in our lives. Really liked this whole analogy of the mosaic story. Um, I, I just think it's been a great series as we go through Luke together on this one. And I was thinking, you know, what if we had a mosaic of Christ and it was on an actual wall in downtown Allegan? People could walk by it as they're shopping, walking from store to store, or going to a restaurant. I was thinking, there's, there's really three types of people that could look at that mosaic and come to three different conclusions. Person number one walks by the mosaic and says, you know what, that's an amazing piece of art. Tiles are arranged so beautifully, the colors are perfect. That's just 
that artist must have been amazing who put that together. It never goes any deeper than the surface level. Person number two walks by the mosaic, looks at it and says, boy, that is a beautiful piece of artwork, but I think, it's the, I think it's that Jesus guy. I think it's that guy in the Bible. I think I said a prayer to him once, but oh, my dinner table reservations are ready. I got to go. And person number three looks at it. They look at the mosaic of Christ. First thing they do is they fall to their knees. And they say, that's the Christ, the Son of the Most High. My life is in Him. I'm no longer my own. My identity is in Him. And I am walking in total obedience through the power of His Holy Spirit, through the leading of His Word. Our love for Christ, the depth that we look at the mosaic of Him, parallels the depth of how we understand what's going on in the parables. So let's look at the parable of the sower in a little bit more detail. I've also heard some people refer to it as the parable of the soils, because that's the focus of the parable. It's the four different types of soils, which are four heart conditions. When we talk about heart conditions, what are we talking about? What what is the heart? We've got Ezra's reference in the Old Testament about being given a new heart. We've got Isaiah. We've got some of the Old Testament prophets that refer back to a heart of stone being replaced with a heart of flesh. But the heart is our innermost being. It's the depth of who we are. It's the decision-making center. Proverbs has many references to the heart. Talking about a discerning heart, a guarding heart, a directing heart, a giving heart, protecting our heart. It's all our inner being, our inner self. This parable is referring to how receptive our heart is to the Word of God. Let's look next at some of the key elements of the parable of the sower or the parable of the soil. Starts out with the sower. Who's the sower? Even in Jesus' explanation, he doesn't say. It says that the sower scatters the seed. And that's about the end of the reference about the sower. So let's look at the seed first, and then we'll come back to the sower. The seed. What is the seed? Look at verse 11. The seed is the word of God, the good news, the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. And notice the seed's quality. It's consistently good, no matter what soil type the seed falls in. When Ann and I moved to Allegan about five years ago, we wanted to have a garden. So we fenced off an area, put some seeds in the ground, and wanted to see what happened. Because in our old house, we had a fantastic garden. It was very prolific. It was very fruitful. So our seeds in the ground the first year were good seed. I bought good seed, really. I paid good money for that seed. What happened? The corn never got any taller than this. The ears were about that sized. The tomatoes never got any bigger than that. And the bean, the bean bush, um, the, the bush beans never got more than three or four beans on a plant. Our garden was not fruitful. And the problem was not the seed. The problem was the soil. So we're going to talk about four soil types. 
And to make it easy, I've got all four of them starting with the letter C. Okay? So you can remember what they are. Four soil types, or the four heart conditions. First one is crusty. Okay, we've got the crusty heart. We have the casual heart, the choked out heart, and the compliant heart. So four C's. Crusty, casual, choked out, compliant. Let's look at the crusty heart first. The crusty heart is described as hardened or dull in Scripture. The New Testament refers to this heart as darkened or unbelieving. Nothing can break through its surface. The heart is unrelenting. It won't give up control. There's an insensitivity towards the Word of God. The Word is rejected. It's despised. Or at most, it's kept at a very surface level. The good seed becomes bird seed. Here's Jesus' explanation in verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Even today we see this around us in the United States, in what used to be a Christian country, but now there's despised, um, the word of God is despised, um, a Christian worldview is rejected, and even Christians are mocked. The crusty heart will not let in the tiniest crumb of truth. The heart stays crusty like asphalt. The second heart type is the casual heart. The casual heart is often described as superficial or distracted. Here's verse 6. And some fell on the rock and it grew up. It withered away because it had no moisture. So what's the soil condition like for this particular heart condition? Below the rock, there's this very thin layer of soil. It lacks depth, and it can't hold moisture for very long. In our back deck, we have below the deck, we've covered it all with stones. Underneath the stones is plastic, but it's amazing what the wind blows in and there's this real thin layer of soil underneath our stones. What happens at our house is that the birds are kind of picky about what they eat out of the bird feeder. So they push off the stuff they don't like. It falls onto the deck and it goes down into the rocks and then it sprouts in that thin layer of soil underneath our deck. We'll get sunflowers that grow up that are about knee high. They don't get any bigger than that. Two weeks later, they dry up and they're dead. That's kind of an example of what seed does when it hits the rocky soil. There's initial enthusiasm, but what happens? Tough times come along. There's that lack of water, and there's a very short growing season. Things dry up and die. Christ is looking for life commitment. He's not looking for early enthusiasm. Christians that are lacking depth in their root structure will often have a burst of growth, but then disappear. Look at the word that Jesus uses in his explanation. He uses the word testing. We have tough stuff that we go through. We have hard things that we endure. Do we look at that as curriculum? Do we look at it as something to learn from? Or do we reject Christ and there's early enthusiasm and then there's death? 
The next heart condition is what I've called the choked out heart. Take a look at verse 7. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. This area of soil already had weeds growing in it. Like the rocky soil, there's competition going on. But now, it's competition with weeds. There's speculation among Bible teachers that this particular weed that's being referenced to is called Darnell. And Darnell is an interesting weed because it's got a huge growth structure below the ground that can't be seen. When it sprouts into life, it looks exactly like wheat. In fact, you can't tell the difference between Darnell and wheat until the pod forms on top, until the wheat head forms on top, and then you can distinguish which is wheat and which is Darnell. Kind of sounds like the story of the parable of the wheat and the tares, doesn't it? So here's Jesus' explanation in verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but they go on their way and they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. Think about the description of being choked. The allure of this world will choke the life out of us. If we're not completely yoked in with Christ, the world will have a stranglehold on us. We can't do both. We can't have a foot in the world and a foot in Christ. The world will choke the life out of us. Without Christ, there's no real fruit. Without real fruit, there's no real life. This is the revelation of our hearts. Fruit that's viewable. The last of the C's is the compliant heart. This is in verse 8. And some fell into good soil, and it grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. Take a look at the preposition of where the seed is. Into. Not among. Not on. Not along. But into. The seed is inside the soil. It shows intimacy. shows closeness. shows a level of oneness. Remember that the seed quality is the same. What's changed? It's the different soils that the seed is landing on. But what happens when this seed hits the soil? All of a sudden, there's a bursting of life. There's salvation power. There's authority that's turned over to God. There's a high value for His Word. Lives become transformed. The dead are made alive. The blind see. The deaf hear. Hearts are replaced, sins are forgiven, and God is revealed through a brand new life. Here's Jesus' explanation in verse 15. As for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. So what's my role? My role is to hold on, hold on to Christ, be one in Him. Hold fast. Walk in obedience. What's His role? He performs His fruit in my life. So now that we've gone through the four heart conditions, 
what's the practical application? What do we do with this parable? How do we go out from here today finding out why the Holy Spirit is talking to us today about this particular parable? I've got three questions I'd like you to leave, I'd like to leave you with today. Question number one. Have I recently had a heart checkup? Have I recently had a heart checkup? Second question, where am I on the road to maturity? Where am I on the road to maturity? And then the last question, question number three, what does the fruit look like in my life? What does my life look like? Or I like to, another way to, another analogy to use is, what's the wake of my life? Think of a wake like behind a speedboat or behind a freighter. Ann and I like to watch the freighters in the Great Lakes. And if you've ever gone over the Mackinac Bridge and you've seen a freighter that has left way off in the distance, that wake, that churned up water, follows for miles behind that freighter. What's the wake like of my life? Because there's really only two options. My wake is either the works of the flesh or my wake is the fruits of the Spirit. So let's think about those three questions this morning. Have I had a heart checkup lately? Where am I on the road to maturity? And What does the fruit look like in my life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the good seed that doesn't change. Lord, we ask this morning that you would continue to soften our hearts towards the things of you. That we would be open to what your Holy Spirit is asking us to walk through in obedience. And that our lives would be fruitful. Holy Spirit, continue to grow and develop your fruit in us. Continue to help us as we walk on the road to maturity. Lord, we ask that you would continue to soften our hearts, open our eyes, and unstop our ears, that we would be receptive to everything that it is that you're teaching us. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all the honor and glory this morning. In your precious name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message here at Corner Bible Church. If you would like more audio resources, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Or you can go online and visit us on our webpage at cornerbiblechurch.com.